2: This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, grieving families deal with painful loss. I mean, these people had lost a husband, lost a father,
3: uh, maybe can't work in the only trade that they've ever known.
2: For help, they turn to William Konauer, an ambitious attorney with a taste for the
0: good life. It wasn't enough for him. He always wanted to be the richest guy in the room.
2: By helping his clients sue to collect big settlements, Konauer seems like their savior.
0: He was their white knight that brought them out of this terrible situation, and then he's the guy that took advantage of them.
2: He's grabbing more than his fair share, leaving his victims with nothing.
1: And that's when he stood up in that that meeting and said, I am a damn good attorney. Okay, great, you're a good attorney, but you're not a good person.
2: In 2006, Mike Webb is driving along this quiet stretch outside Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here, he notices a car that swerved off the road and crashed into a utility pole.
4: He always cared about people, no matter if he knew them, or his family,
2: friends. Didn't matter. When Webb gets out to help the two teens who have crashed, he steps on a downed power line dangling in the field. He is electrocuted and dies instantly. His son, Dustin, is just 15 at the time. He didn't have to stop, and he didn't know them,
4: but then that would take away from the person that he was. Like I said, you know, he would never drive past somebody who needed help and not stop.
2: Dustin hardly has time to grieve before his sadness turns to financial concern.
4: It was about a week after he passed away. I got a job when I was 15, and I've worked ever since for everything I have. And that was something that he didn't want me to do, was get out of uh, high school and then get a job. He wanted me to go to school, he would pay for extra things, and you focus on school.
2: About 20 miles away, Marlene Coughlin still lives in the home she shared with her husband, Corey.
5: He was one of the last true Renaissance men. (laughs) He could do anything. He was an artist, he was a welder, he was a carpenter. He could make, build, or fabricate anything.
2: In 2009, Corey works at a steel plant near the family's home in Columbia City, Indiana. As he heads to work one evening in April, it seems like any other shift.
5: Every night, he said the same thing to me when he left. He always said, Goodbye, honey. Good night, honey, and I'll see you tomorrow. And so I just said, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll see you. In hindsight, I wish I had at least said goodbye and got one last look at his face.
2: Shortly after punching in, Corey Cochran is crushed to death by a large piece of equipment. His wife suffers from various health problems, and without him, She's left without her caregiver, but with plenty of bills.
5: I went from being comfortable, happy, to being worried all the time. I don't know from one day to the next whether I can afford the treatment.
2: Though nothing could ever bring back Mike Webb or Corey Cochran, both families hire lawyers to sue those they see as responsible for their deaths. Eventually, their attorneys refer them to an expert, a prominent lawyer named William Konauer. Konauer is from a middle-class family in Indianapolis, and it's here that he sets up his practice in the 1970s. His goal for his clients is clear. The injuries already happened, the tragedies occurred, there's nothing we can do about that. But providing some type of future financial security and all the medical care that needs to be provided is what we can do for our client or for his family. When clients come to Konauer's office, they are in dire need of financial help. Well, a lot of the
0: clients, if they're still alive, uh, have life-altering injuries. They're paralyzed, they can't walk, they are cognitively impaired, so the money for them is replacement income to pay for their family. If the client was deceased in the accident, it's there for their wife to pay the bills for the rest of their lives. It's for their children to go to college. It's for everything.
2: Named one of Indiana's super lawyers and with his face in paid advertorials, Konauer is the go-to guy for construction injury cases in the state. He's well-respected among his peers and feared by those he sues. He had a presence where people like, that's William
1: Konauer. We're going to settle with them. Let's, let's get, get out of this. Let's make it happen.
2: Many clients who sign up with Konauer know little about the law, beyond the fact that their lawyer's reputation is one of the best.
5: I had, had never had anything to do with an attorney. I knew nothing about it. And I thought Bill Konauer was going to be the guy that was going to be able to give us that boost to get me enough money to make it through the rest of my life if I was careful.
2: Konauer keeps 40% of his client's settlements, and he plays the part of a successful personal injury lawyer quite well.
0: $1,000 bottles of wine, and he would have 20 of them. Uh, Bottles of scotch from Scotland that he would bring back. He didn't just bring back two, he brought back three cases of scotch. It was spending of a man who made twice what he was actually legitimately making.
2: Konauer lives in this gated community, in a 25-room mansion, has another home just a few miles away, and with his wife, owns a horse farm a bit further up the road. He donates to politicians, charities, and the Indiana University School of Law, where a $450,000 check gets his name on an atrium. He travels the world with his family, keeps a well-stocked wine collection, and has cars to match the rest of his lifestyle. I mean,
1: crazy car payments. not like a 300 $400 car payment. You're talking $1,500 car payments, you know, to Porsche, to Mercedes, to Bentley.
2: According to investigators, Konauer can't stop spending money.
1: I mean, he literally had Amazon, UPS, FedEx, come into his office five, six times a day with stuff that he was buying off Amazon.
2: In 2005, attorney William Konauer heads to Scotland to pursue a master's degree in theology. When he returns home to Indianapolis two years later, he says he finds his law firm in financial trouble. He's short on cash, but investigators say that giving up the lifestyle he's used to is out of the question.
1: He had these Porsches, he had these Bentleys, he had these nice homes, he was the guy. So I think when his his law firm started to kind of go downhill and he didn't have the funds, he still needed to have that makeup, the makeup where people believed that he was who he used to be.
2: Konauer finds a devious way to keep up appearances. After winning big settlements for his clients, he plays a second role, that of financial advisor. In many cases, he warns his injured clients or their widows and orphans not to take their settlement as a lump sum payment. Jason Bohm is an assistant U.S. attorney for the Central District of Illinois.
3: He would tell them, don't take all the money now, you'll spend it all, and then, 15, 20 years from now, you'll be out. Instead, let me set up this annuity for you. Let me put it into a trust so that the money's still there years down the road to protect and to make you whole from what you've lost.
2: To protect their money, Konauer convinces many clients to sign a special trust agreement. Each agreement sets up a trust account at an Ohio bank called Reliance Financial. Clients are led to believe that all their money is locked away safely to grow over time. Like an annuity, they receive monthly checks from the bank, typically around $2,000, and everything appears to be working smoothly.
1: They received monthly payments. They received what they signed up for, whether it was a check in the mail or an auto credit to their account for $2,000. They assume that they're or $1 million was with Reliance Financial. They had no reason to question it.
2: And why should they?
1: He
0: was their white knight that brought them out of this terrible situation, and then he's the guy that took advantage of them.
2: Attorney Jeffrey Hammond goes to work for Konauer in 2009. After nearly two years, Hammond comes across one of the trust agreements Konauer has signed with a client. The client's money is supposedly tucked safely away in an account to grow, but oddly, it is hardly earning any interest at all.
3: I'm not a trust and estates lawyer, but this doesn't seem right. And you see that the settlers bill and the notices are going to bill, not at our office, but at his second house. And it just seemed fishy that that's how it was all set up.
2: What's more, Hammond learns this is hardly a one-time deal.
3: I asked our staff, I said, have you seen these trust agreements before? And she said, well, yeah, Bill does that in all the big cases. I was like, what do you mean he does that in all the big cases?
2: Hammond learns all these trusts are set up through the Ohio bank, where clients believe all their money is sitting safely. He finds a letter from Konauer to the bank showing that he's only funding client trust accounts with a year's worth of payments.
3: And it says, Dear Reliance Financial, enclosed is $24,000 to cover this year's payments towards trust X. That's odd. Why is he sending one year's worth of money to the bank? Shouldn't the money already be there? Once the case settled, he should have deposit the whole amount into the trust so that interest can be earned on that money. If he's only sending one year's worth of money there, where's the rest?
2: Konauer is stealing it and hiding his fraud like this. When client A wins a settlement, Konauer secretly keeps much of the money for himself. Then when client B gets a settlement, Konauer takes that too. He uses some of client B's money to fund a year's worth of payments to client A. It flows through Reliance Financial, making it appear that their money is where it should be. It's a form of a Ponzi scheme, but with one big difference.
0: I feel bad for any victim of a Ponzi scheme, but you're trying to get rich quick sometimes with a guy who's offering you 10 20% annual returns. Mr. Konauer wasn't an investment. He was an attorney. He should have given those clients every dollar that they were owed.
2: At this point, though, Hammond only knows that the money isn't where it's supposed to be, and he struggles with what to do next.
3: When I was going through all of this, and I was addicted to watching American Greed, and I remember watching the show going, this is me. I am living what I'm seeing on the show, and here are these people who who took a step and said, this isn't right. And in a way, that helped me make the decision to do what I did, um, seeing other people make the right choice, and it almost made it, this is the only choice.
2: Hammond talks to the feds in July 2011, but they say they still need a lot more before they can put Konauer in cuffs.
0: It was difficult to begin the case because it was a little guy's word against a big guy, and we had to be very careful that we didn't overstep our bounds uh, for fear of disparaging An honest person.
2: Agents say that within months they confirm there's no stockpile of client money at Reliance Financial in Ohio. But they say they still need more to take Konauer down.
1: We're still waiting for financial records to come in. We can't go after we can't arrest him, we can't indict him, we can't, you know, none of that could happen yet because of who he is. And we don't, honestly, we don't have it yet.
2: Konauer's clients have no idea he's under investigation. In December, six years after his father's death, Dustin Webb receives a half-million-dollar settlement. The money goes first to Konauer, who finds a way to delay payment.
4: From my understanding, once the settlement went through in December, it was a 90-day holding period to make sure there were no liens on my dad's estate or anything that he owed that would have to come out of that. And at the 90-day mark, then the money would be released to me in a lump sum.
2: Konauer will hold the money, and Webb has no doubt about how safe it will be. I
4: was safe as if it was in my own house. I had no worries at all. I mean, it was simply a a matter of waiting the 90 days. I had no worries whatsoever.
2: Around this time, Marlene Cochran also settles her case, and Konauer puts off paying her as well.
5: I started thinking that something weird was happening. I didn't understand why I had waited and waited and nothing was happening.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery,
2: When attorney Jeffrey Hammond first meets with FBI agents Andy Shank and Doug Casper, he tells them that money belonging to William Konauer's clients is not where it's supposed to be. But could the well-respected attorney have it safely stashed somewhere else?
1: We didn't know if there was that, that honey hole. We needed to know that the money was gone before we could take it to the next level.
2: The truth is that there is no money being held in trust anywhere. As fast as Konauer is stealing his clients' money, he is spending it on himself or using it to make payments to other clients. Not long after Hammond goes to the feds, Konauer's bank account contains the lowly sum of $3,000. It's hardly enough to keep making the token payments, which assure clients that their money is safe. He
1: was so desperate at that time. He had no money to keep the scam going.
2: In September, Konauer calls a client, an injured construction worker, and asks him if he would like to settle his case for $250,000. The client says, not yet. But Konauer needs money, and he makes a bold move.
0: Unbeknownst to the client, Konauer settled the case with uh, the insurance company, took a $450,000 check from the insurance company and cashed it and used it for
2: his own good. Court documents say that within days, Konauer blows through his client's settlement. He pays other clients, sends money to other lawyers, and pays American Express $138,000. In February, the feds learn about this theft.
1: Now we could track the money. Now we could say, okay, this is when the settlement hit, this is what happened to that money. That was the first time we knew, okay, this guy's this guy's a fraud.
2: Eventually, investigators find 36 clients who paid Konauer $3.5 million from their settlements and from whom he stole an additional $6.7 Among these is his own daughter, who won a $36,000 car accident settlement only to have it stolen by her father. When
0: you're willing to stoop so low to steal from your own family, uh, you've got a serious, serious problem going on.
2: But it seems Konauer doesn't see what he's doing as stealing. Agents say that when they talk to him, he claims he's merely taking loans from his client settlements.
0: We tried to explain to him that in order for it to be a loan, the lender needs to know that they were lending him money and that because they did not know
1: that, it was not a loan, it was outright theft. And that's when he stood up in that, that meeting and said, I am a damn good attorney okay, great, okay, you're a good attorney, but you're not a good person, right? Because if you're a good person, you don't do what you just did. And you're not a good attorney because good attorneys don't do what you just did.
2: In April 2012, Konauer is charged with wire fraud. Many of his clients who have been receiving their monthly checks on time and in full have no idea that anything is even wrong. Telling
0: the clients that uh, their funds were not where they thought they were was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. These people have already suffered a great loss in their life, and now I've got to tell them the money that they thought was there to support them for the rest of their lives is not
2: actually there. As they struggle with this devastating news, Konauer is free on bail and hardly seems repentant.
1: He was still spending, you know, seven to $10,000 a month on living expenses. He just didn't care he was at a point where nothing fazed him anymore.
2: In June, the judge determines Konauer is getting rid of assets which could be used to pay back victims. He revokes Konauer's bond, and the once prominent lawyer heads to jail. Days later, he pleads guilty and resigns from the Indiana State Bar. The judge sentences him to 10 years in prison. He received 10 years. 10 years is, is good, but for what he
1: did, I wish it, it should have been a lot longer.
2: So far, authorities have been able to recover very little of the money Konauer took from his clients.
3: These aren't wealthy, well-off victims. These are people who were depending on that money for medical treatment, for college tuition, for buying groceries, and those are the people he preyed upon.
2: For Marlene Cochlin, the lawyer's deceit means struggling through life without the help she might have gotten from the settlement he stole.
5: Mr. Kahnauer sits in, in in warm prison, where he gets three meals a day. If he needs back care or some kind of medical care, he gets it. If he needs dental care, he gets it. I don't. If I need more medical care, Where does it come from?
2: When Mike Webb died along this quiet stretch of road, he was trying to help people he'd never met. His son was left fatherless by this tragedy. And that's when William Konauer stepped in.
4: When I first met him, I told him, I said, you actually remind me a lot of my dad. I thought he was one of those people like my dad that doesn't know me, but is going out of his way and spending all these hours on something that he doesn't have to do and that is complete opposite you know it turned out to be it's my dad would never be like that he fooled everybody
2: thanks for listening to the american read podcast presented by cnbc i'm stacy keach
6: this podcast is supported by fedex dear small and medium businesses